War never changes. Remember, no Russian. Did I ever tell you the definition of insanity? If I'm to choose between a greater and lesser evil, I'd rather not choose at all. I'm afraid. Finish him! Everyone I have cared for has either died or left me. Everyone fucking except for you! Welcome. Welcome to Let's Talk Video Games, my friends. I'm your host, Walter Ruñez, and this is the first episode of the podcast. I want to talk about a little bit of what will you be getting from this podcast. In this show, we will be discussing the gaming industry. We will take a close look to game developers and their final products. And we'll be, you know, sometimes talking about other topics that concern gamers nowadays. Now, before starting, I do want to thank TRS for the amazing music you heard in the intro. You can find more of his music on Spotify, and the link will be available in the show notes for today. Now, introductions are finished, and it's time to get down to business. Today's topic, The Last of Us 2 Controversy. Regarding The Last of Us 2, there are divided opinions. Some say it's really good, even as good as the first one, and some say it just sucks ass. In this podcast, we will be picking the whole game apart, we'll look at some aspects of it, and how they affect the final outcome. Now, I do want to say that there will be major spoilers here, so beware. I recommend coming back after finishing the game if that's an issue. If not, feel free to stay with me. We'll start with game mechanics and gameplay. In the second installment, the way the game is played is pretty much the same as the first one. The rules are the same too. It is not perfect, but it does fit the world. However, it does feel chunky. The Last of Us just, you know, got stuck in 2013. The gameplay is not good as other games of 2020. That's a really, really terrible point. Because the game had a lot of expectations. The game had a lot of money to work on that. But they just decided to pretty much do the same mechanics of um, The Last of Us 1. While they are, you know, easy enough for new players and hardcore fans... It could be way, way, way better. But, uh, whatever. You know, it's not about that, the game. We all know that. I mean, The Last of Us is it's a really good game, but we know that the main thing, it's not the gameplay. It's a story. They want to tell the story through a game, and that's pretty cool. So, yeah. Well, on one hand, you can say that uh, the gameplay is not that important does have a big impact. However, I do want to, uh, you know, highlight one thing that I believe they did really good. The game just changed a bit the way resources are collected. Getting resources was pain in the ass. You couldn't get resources like in, in every house and stuff because you had to take like a whole bottle of alcohol and you couldn't find like pieces. And they changed that for this game. Now you can find, you know, like half a bottle of alcohol or a quarter bottle of alcohol. If we are searching a neighborhood that is really, you know, explored by everyone, the um, probability of you getting a whole bottle of alcohol before anyone else, it's not that, you know, it's not that big. It does make more sense now. And it does feel way more realistic and true for what the game is trying to, to transmit. And talking about transmitting ideas... I think we should talk about the music, because the music is freaking awesome. The music was done by Gustavo Santoalaya, a two-time Academy Award winner, and Mac Quayle, an Emmy winner. And it just 
goes so good with the game. It, it you know, fits perfectly. The feelings um, that the game is trying to transmit to you are increased by a lot when you hear the music. It just fits so, so good. The constant mystery of what will happen next, you know, the violence of battle, the fear of the unknown, all of these main topics are present in the music too. I gotta tell you, my personal favorite is Unbroken. This song got me in tears, man. Just destroyed me when it was presented in the scene with Ellie and Joel when they're like celebrating Ellie's birthday and they're having the space experience. So good, man. Just so, so good. So perfectly done. And in general, the music, even not, uh, not the one done exactly by Gustavo, is awesome. Uh, I cried a lot. Man, I cried a lot in this game. But I cried a lot when Ellie played the guitar. The Take On Me acoustic version was marvelous. And also the first song that I do not remember the name now, that Joel played in the guitar for Ellie. It's just music transmits emotions, I believe, in an easier and more universal way than words or sometimes images can do. And it was perfect. I have absolutely no complaints. I have nothing but good things to say about the music in The Last of Us Part 2. We will be starting to talk about storyline. And this, this is the controversial part. This is not easy. Because it involves a lot of political uh, stuff. It's, um, it's, it's hard. It's hard. So I'm going to try, you know, uh, be as objective as I can and just try to um, flow with it. So I'm going to start, you know, the storyline, we, we all know that it's based on the theme of revenge, right? Revenge for Joel on Ellie's side and revenge for Abby's dad on Abby's side. Let's, let's start there. Joel's dad was super early during the game and it was hard man it was it was really hard i never saw that coming it was a complete surprise to me i i, I want to talk about that a bit so i decided a few years ago to distance myself from the overhyping media i don't watch more than um the first trailer for games movies and series just a trailer and maybe the brief summary of what the thing i, I want to consume is about and that's pretty much it. Like, whenever there's a new Marvel movie, I don't watch all the freaking trailers. You know, for Endgame, there were like eight trailers. And they, you know, talk about everything in the story. Nothing is a real surprise when you see the movie. But if you just watch the first one, you say like, yeah, that, that does look good. I'm going to see it. Like, it doesn't matter if I see one, two, three, or eight trailers. In the first one, they got me. So... I don't need to see more. I want the, the surprises that the media is trying to, you know, the game, the movie, or the series is trying to transmit to actually feel like a surprise. Not like, yeah, I saw that coming from the trailer number 27, you know? However, um, I do understand that people do that. I do not like that, but, you know, you do you. The Last of Us 2 worked uh, the audience perfectly, and it did it in the same way that uh, Infinity War did, where they showed footage of folk like running through the jungle in Wakanda. 
And Hulk was never in the movie. Not really, you know? Like in the first maybe five, ten minutes. And they did the exact same thing for The Last of Us. They tricked everyone to think that Joel was the main part of the game. You know, like life. He was going to be alive throughout the whole game. And, well, we now know it wasn't. It's a really good way to get people interested in the game and what the game is about and not spoiling yourself the game. It was really good. I loved that. It was a great mislead. They changed, you know, the models of Joel to make it look older when it was just a memory. And I know it's really hard. I know it's really hard to accept Joel's dead because, first of all, the first game was marvelous, and we all know that. I... I'm not sure if I would call it a perfect game, but at least it's my favorite game with, you know, a few others. But the relationship generated with with Joel and Ellie was so real. It felt so real that you could really connect with it. And it's hard to see that being brutally killed with a golf club. So I understand that. I felt that. It wasn't it wasn't good. I I didn't cry. But it was like, oh, man, what the hell is going on? They had a really special relationship, you know? It hurt like hell. But um, from a gaming, trying to be objective uh, standpoint, it was awesome. I know people are arguing, for example, that Joel would never say just like his name just like that. And I do agree that he wouldn't. On The Last of Us 1, we fail to understand that the Joel from The Last of Us 1 and the one from The Last of Us 2 are really different people. Joel, in the first game, never trusts anyone, not even Ellie. He has, you know, become alienated uh, to all humans, and with good reason, he has suffered a lot. However, through the whole experience of The Last of Us, we see that Joel becomes more sociable, more human, and he becomes, in the end, a part of Jackson's society. He's now, again, like this kind of caring figure towards Ellie. And it does make sense, at least to me, that he's not on, uh, on edge all the time now. He's, he's living a more relaxed life. He's just got to take care of uh, a few infected now and then. But that's pretty much it. And they, they talked about a lot of how they tend to see a lot of uh, people just wandering in the woods. It's like a normal thing, you know? They're not on edge all the time. It's really obvious that nobody, nobody is untouchable or immoral. And we saw that even in the first game when Tess died. It was obvious. In a post-apocalyptic world with zombie-like creatures and no laws or governments, people can become more aggressive. Joel killed a lot of people. I mean, just, you know, story-wise between Cyrus dead and when we meet Ellie. I don't know, maybe a half a dozen, a couple dozen? I have no clue, but a lot of people. And during the game, probably a lot more. Now, it's not really surprising that somebody decided to get revenge on him. It makes sense, narrative-wise. It's not pretty, yeah, but it's logical and realistic, and that's the main goal of the game now. Trying to, even though we're living in a post-apocalyptic world, trying to make it as relatable and as realistic as possible. Now, Abby's dad was killed, and that is unforgivable for a lot of people. It is something you can't imagine how it feels if it hasn't happened to you, which I hope it never does. Her acts, while maybe not correct from a moral standpoint, are somewhat justified. 
Abby, in my opinion, becomes a really interesting character, you know, especially because she's like perfect counterpart to Ellie. While Ellie, during The Last of Us 2, becomes uh, more blinded in her thirst for revenge, Abby's freed of that revenge and starts to become more human. Well, um, you know, Abby befriends Lev and Jara, part of the opposing group to Abby's, the Scars, and she understands that even though beliefs are different, they are humans in the end, you know? They're humans like everyone else. They just have endured different circumstances that molded them the way they are now. They're, there's like a result, they are a result of a chance and some decisions they made during their journeys. And Ellie, on the other hand, you know, even destroys her new family with Dina and JJ just for this thirst for revenge. To be honest, I believe Ellie killed way more people than Abby. Abby's friends and a lot of wolves, even scars that were not involved in any way in the um, revenge Ellie was trying to get. Abby, as far as we know at least, just killed Joel. She spurred Tommy and Ellie because they were not targets. The message, for me at least in the end of The Last of Us, is that there are no heroes. Not everything is black and white. Ellie ends up alone, with two missing fingers, and in the first game, she, she said she was afraid of ending up alone, and her path for revenge led her exactly to that. She ends up sad, but at least I do believe she remains what she originally was, you know? She remains human. The reason I believe for her change of heart in the end was because of that last talk that we saw in the game, the last talk with Joe, when she said this. You're such an asshole. I'm not trying to. I was supposed to die in that hospital. My life would have fucking mattered. But you took that from me. Somehow the Lord gave me a second chance at that moment. I would do it all over again. I just... I don't think I can ever forgive you for that. But I would like to try. I believe she's going to try and forgive Abby for what she did. Joel's death started Ellie's revenge and took her into a really dark path. But it was Joel's memory that redeemed her in the last part and actually maintained an essence of what Ellie really is. I do understand that there's a lot of um, hate for Abby as a character and the general feel of the game because of this. Aside from what you may think, you know, you can have your own opinions about if this idea of revenge and redemption is a good storyline for you. But I do not condone, and I think it's really wrong, to start picking apart um, stupid things about the game and making death threats to the developers or the actresses. Because 
they just don't fit in what you think a character is. I'm going to be really specific about it. People are saying that there's like an LGBT agenda and the game was made by and for the so-called social justice warriors. The game got review bombed in places like Metacritic because of this. And honestly, if you play the game, you do understand that there's nothing forced in the game. There are a lot of examples in the media nowadays that have, you know, in, I, I'm talking video games, I'm talking series, I'm talking movies that add LGBT characters just for the sake of it, you know, for the quota to society. You're like, yeah, yeah, look here, I have an, an homosexual character. It's just because because they want to have a, a homosexual character and that's it. It's not important for the story. And in The Last of Us, they do exactly the opposite thing. They do have the main character, Ellie, to be a homosexual, that we did know that from the first uh, game, you know, the DLC. And she has a partner, Dina. But uh, that's pretty much it. The game is not forcing any ideas on you. That's just how the story goes. LGBT people exist in real life. And they have the same probability of doing something interesting or heroic as heterosexuals. People can seem to see past that. If we're talking about Abby, which was like a big topic, it's even worse. There are a lot of people that hate her. She killed Joel. Why would you like a character like that? I'm totally open for opinions in that regard. But some people are saying that they don't like the character because, first of all, she's a transsexual. Which... I want to say there's absolutely nothing wrong with being a transsexual. Abby isn't. Abby is just a woman. A normal woman. She does not have a lot of breasts or um, hips or whatever. She does not have this ideal female body. And she decided, and we saw that in the first parts of um, the Abby gameplay, she wasn't as jacked as she was in the last bits. She decided that she wanted to get really muscular. And that's good. There are a lot of women that are super strong. The um, weightlifters, they are really, really, really strong. And just because they don't fit in the idea of feminine woman, we tend to criticize that, hate it, and do this nasty stuff like sending death threats and stuff. The game describes here, perfectly at least for me, as um, built as an axe. I think here's where the problem lies in the gaming industry. While it is true that we have a lot of female-leaning characters in the gaming industry, none of them are quite like Abby. We are used to having some standards for these characters, physically-wise at least. Most of all, if not all, female lead characters are pretty hot, or you consider, you know, I'm gonna say sex symbols. Let's, you know, think about your favorite female leading characters. Lara Croft from Tomb Raider. Amanda Ripley from Alien Isolation. Bayonetta. Samus from Metroid. Claire Redfield from Resident Evil 2. Max from Life is Strange. Jodie from Beyond Two Souls. And the list goes on and on and on. And the pattern becomes really clear. We get female leading characters that we find physically attractive somehow as men. The gaming industry has played with the sexual desires of men, whether we like it or not. 
As graphics become better and more realistic, we can feel a deeper connection with the character. I'm not saying we fall in love with um, fictitious character, but we do tend to prefer a hot female character to an ugly one, even if both have the, the exact same role. And Abit is not entering this idea of a female lead, of what we think it's a, a female lead should be. This is what people hate, really. And you know what? It's really funny. We refuse to see that people are just like happy in real life. Sadly, or luckily, what do I know, not everyone in real life is a sex symbol. I don't even think that half of the population is. Abby is slap of reality into The Last of Us. She's not transgender. She's just jacked. She trained a lot. She became what she was by working hard. Strong muscular women exist too. Just look at the weightlifting champions, as I said before. Abby's a female. And one that hurts and loves just like any other human does. And talking about Abby's love, we have to talk about the intimate scene with Owen because people started saying that they found the scene disgusting because it looks like two men having sex. Because it looks gay, and you know, even if they know Abby's not transgender, they say that it provided nothing story wise. It's weird, honestly, because we tend to see just fine. Sex scenes in movies, series, and even games, as long as there is a hot woman and a man. And the man doesn't even have to be hot. It's hypocritical. I know this is a hard truth. It's an ugly truth. And it's one that hurts and it's uncomfortable to accept it. It's never easy to say that we are wrong and that we need to change that. But we can do better. I understand gaming. It's a way to take uh, yourself out of real life for a bit, but gaming can be a reflection of reality in an alternate reality too. We don't want to see things that are uh, making us uncomfortable, things that do not um, always uh, match what we think a game should be. I do believe The Last of Us was, is a really good game. I would not give it 10 out of 10, especially because of the chunky gameplay, but story-wise, it was amazing. It was a great experience. I loved it. And I think the game was done in a way to expose a bit of uh, today's reality into what a game or a post-apocalyptic world would look in a few years. And this will be the end of today's podcast episode. If you'll listen up to this point, thanks a lot, and I do encourage you to consider subscribing to it. Next Monday, we will be talking about the arrival of GTA 5 to next generation consoles again. So, don't miss it, guys, and cheers.